Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast, where we learn all about building resilience in ourselves and helping others build it too. We draw from the principles of positive psychology and coaching to help you face adversity and do more than just survive. We want you to thrive. We are certified life coaches and speech language pathologists, and we will help you manage your mind, your emotions, and become the very best version of yourself, version 2.0. Let's get started. This is Heather Stables and Leah Davidson, and this is the Building Resilience Podcast, episode 15. You made me feel. Don't you just (laughs) want to jump out in song when you say that you made me feel? (laughs) I really do. Yes, I do. But I'm not going to sing for anybody. I'm not were, a singer. You were just singing like a moment ago. I know. I was singing a moment ago, but that was just to you, Heather. I know. And I loved it. Oh, I loved I listening to your DJ voice. Oh, I know. I do have a good DJ voice. You really do. And you turn <laughs> it on. It's so good. I really don't like my voice, but we had a comment a little while ago that kind of made me chuckle. Somebody had said, why doesn't Heather talk more? You know, I want to hear from her too, which I guess was sort of implying that I talk too much, which kind of made me laugh because that's not any news to me. (laughs) (laughs) I find so much comfort in when you talk though. And to be fair, that video, I had massive connectivity issues on my end. And so your video of you and your facial expressions was like 10 seconds behind, but you were in real time. So when you were asking me questions, I was looking at your face and you kept talking. So I I didn't, like, I didn't trust anything. And then I was thinking about, oh my goodness, this video is going to be all disjointed in terms of like visual audio. And anyway, the comment came after a video that we had done. It did actually get me thinking, yeah, I do talk a lot. That's who I am. But it also allowed me to recognize that I get to choose how I'm going to feel about a comment like that, whether I feel bad about it, whether I feel good about it, whether I feel neutral about it. And it actually also made me think how individual we all are. So Heather, I want to ask you, when you go for ice cream, what's your favorite flavor? Hmm. Well, I don't do ice cream, but I do. I know I'm breaking that. (laughs) So there's that. I do gelato and pistachio is my favorite because I I don't like anything sweet. Mm. I don't like dessert. It's just one of those things that I just don't do. So you've just completely proved my point right here about how But you had more. I want to hear more. I know. So I actually love gelato too. And watermelon is my favorite gelato. Ah, fruity. Mm -hmm. I'm a fruity person. I'm a fruity person, yeah. Now, if you had to go anywhere in the city, you're favorite restaurant in the city we live in Toronto Ontario Canada where would you go Mm, that's such a good question you know lately I've been ordering Uber Eats far too much from Bully it's a Middle Eastern place Mm -hmm. oh I do Mm -hmm. like that place too yeah I've been there a couple times that's on Queen Street right oh I love it yeah yeah my all-time favorite whenever there's a special occasion whether it be my birthday you know anniversaries I love key Mm-hmm. I love everything. Oh, yeah, you were telling tea. me that. Oh, mm-hmm. I it's love a sushi for, place. Yeah, it's a sushi place, Japanese place, right downtown. We go there for special occasions and we ordered it in for Valentine's actually. Oh, when we do special occasions as a family, I just saw my brother last night. It was so lovely. First time that he hosted me in like years. I couldn't even remember the last time. It was crazy. 
we always used to go to Buka. Oh, I loved Buka. And it was such an experience for my family because it was such a treat, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it that was so one good. of my favorite. Mm-hmm. So although we're giving you great recommendations of where to eat in Toronto, we can All do of this to if say. You're ever, if you're ever visiting Toronto, message us. We've got some great restaurant suggestions once everything's open again. But all this to say that, yeah, we all have different preferences. We all are different people. We do do things differently. I talk a lot. Heather listens more. Although I have to say, Heather, you can be quite the gabber. So, oh my know. gosh. But it's just, no, it's, it's so true. And I mean, by nature, I'm a shy person. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. It's something that I embrace with myself. And when situations are intimate, I can talk my face off. You would never know that I'm shy, but in a group setting or during a live video, apparently, I'm, I'm quieter. <laughs> well, and it is interesting to say, because I'm an introvert as well. I'm just, I, you know, I, I refuel by being on my own, but I do tend to speak more. I've passed that trait on to my children as well, as many teachers have told me. <laughs> many unhappy teachers over the year. But I think it's just a lesson that we all have different traits. We're who we are, and I want to embrace it all, and you embrace it all. And today, we are actually going to do a quick check-in and talk about some of the things we've been talking about. And we're doing this because sometimes you go along and you learn these new concepts, and they may make complete sense, and you can see the logic behind them. Some of these concepts we're teaching you guys, they're common sense. And I know that when I was learning them, I felt like so many of these concepts weren't really anything new. As we said before, nothing we're sharing with you is top secret or even original. These concepts have been taught over and over and over again in various shapes and sizes, and nothing is new. But what often happens is when I'm a client, I mean, I've been coached a lot in the last year myself, because as coaches, we need coaches. We know the concept intellectually. But then when we put it all together or dig deeper or try to apply it to our lives, our relationships, our jobs, our confidence, everything kind of goes out the window. It's like that whole knowing and doing. Exactly. That's so true. So for example, I may know the difference between facts or as we call them, circumstances and thoughts. And I know that facts are things that I can't control. They are things that everyone agrees on. I know that there are sort of the data points in our life. I know then a thought is what I choose to think and it's optional and no one forces me to have those thoughts. So I know these things. I sort of nod along like, yes, yes, yes. Get to the point. I know there's a difference between thoughts and facts. We also know that thoughts create feelings. And sometimes I have a feeling, I may not be aware of the thought driving it, but I know if I stop and think about what I'm feeling, I can usually find the thought or the collection of thoughts that are making me feel a certain way. I also know if I shift my thoughts, I can shift my feelings. Now, I may not want to shift my thought. I may not want to change how I feel, and that is all okay. But I know that I'm in control of my feelings so empowering. And for me, I'm clear on all that. So some people may have some doubts on it and think like, no, I don't think that's how it works, but that's okay. This is the framework that I found to be true. It's helpful for me to think of it like this because I find it super empowering that I am in control of my thoughts and I'm in control of the feelings that I create. 
And even if you don't agree, many people can just agree that there are things that are out of our control. I think we can all agree on that. And there are things that are within our control. There are things that we can influence and things we can't influence. So most of us can go there. Yeah, exactly. So my point is, is I can understand all this. I know all this. I even teach all this. So why does my brain in everyday life often resist this? So where I commonly see this popping up for me is in relationships. I don't know about you, Heather, but this is where I commonly like, I see it. Mm -hmm. How many times do I attribute how I feel, how I react, what I think to somebody else's behavior? Mm -hmm. I know I'm not alone in this. I'm not alone Mm -hmm. in this. Mm -hmm. I may be like, especially when it comes to your kids, or people that you're working closely with, he said this, like, blah, 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 blah. And it was completely unacceptable, or it was rude, or it was inappropriate. And this happened, and it was so unfair, it was uncalled for, it was terrible. And so I take the circumstance of what someone else said, or someone else did, and say that that is why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. I completely jump over the fact that I have thoughts, and I have the ability to choose my thoughts. I completely jump over that piece. I think we all experience that for sure. (laughs) And you'll hear it in things like, she embarrassed me. She shamed me. She guilted me. She hurt my feelings. She disrespected me. She didn't validate me. She challenged me. She was so rude to me. Like it's in the language that we use. Yeah. And so we present all these things as if they're facts. It's like we're saying the news Mm -hmm. as if the person can do something and it forces us to feel a certain way. Of course, we know it doesn't. In all of these situations and in all situations, it is the person who said XXZ and my thought was YYZ. And that thought led me to feel you know, fill in the blank. It could be defensive. It could be disappointed. It could be hurt or angry or insecure. You know, we all have our go-to emotions and they come from years of repeating thoughts and feeling loops about ourselves, about other people and about the world. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand a few things. So the first thing is we're not saying that you should not think or feel a certain way. You can totally think all those thoughts, but they are your thoughts and you get to own your own thoughts and how they make you feel. So you could have interpreted it a different way if you really wanted to. And I love the example of somebody saying, oh, I hate your blue hair. Like, would you be offended if somebody said, I hate your blue hair? Well, you might be if you had blue hair, but if you don't have blue hair, it's not like you're forced to be offended. You can just say, oh, that's nice, but I don't have blue hair. If you do have blue hair, you can choose to be offended, but we actually can get defensive when we often fear that someone is saying that there's some truth in what they're actually saying. That's usually when we say things like, oh, you made me feel Mm -hmm. a certain way. And even when we may know it's not true, our monkey brain is like, But what if it is true? Mm. So it's normal for our brain to want to go there, to indulge that person, what they said, what they did. And I know, say, for example, if somebody says to me, like, you're a terrible mother. And I actually don't think I'm a terrible mother. (laughs) I actually (laughs) think I'm pretty good. But there is 
a fear in me that like, okay, but, and, and it's actually a fear. It's not even a fear in me. It's sort of the reality of, but I am a terrible mother sometimes. Mm-hmm. So when I hear somebody saying that I can get a little bit defensive, even though I'm like, no, I'm a good mom. But then there's mm-hmm. a part of me that's like, but I'm also a bad mom at times. So mm-hmm. it depends on how I'm choosing to look at something and that it's okay if I decide to think one way one time and think another way another time. So we're not saying that you have to feel or think a certain way. Yeah. And that's the thing about our thoughts is like, there is flexibility there. There's wiggle room. And depending on the day, we're going to have different thoughts. So it's not that it's wrong to think or feel a certain way, but you just want to own it. And you want to ask if it's useful to you. That's the important question. Is it useful to have this thought? Our thoughts aren't going to change another person's what they say or what they do, no matter how upset you get. You are also the circumstance. Remember, you are the fact in someone else's life. Mm. And they get to think what they want to think about you, what you said, what you did. You become that data point for them. Mm, That's such a good point. And, you know, to be honest, there are many times I have chosen to be upset or frustrated or hurt or feel disrespected, but I get to own that choice. No one is making me feel anything. I get to decide how I act based on my own thoughts and feelings. So I can choose to end the conversation. I can choose to never talk to that person again. I can choose to leave the person. What I can't do is control what they think, feel, do. Those are the circumstances. So somebody may say something to me and I can choose to get offended. I can be upset. I can be hurt, but I can also choose to think, nah, you know what? They're wrong about me and just move on with that. I can't control that they're not going to say it again or they're not going to actually think it. That's up to them. I don't get to have control over other people. And I know that it's common for us to feel when there's some minimum baseline of behavior of what is acceptable, respectable. And while that may be true for you, you still can't control someone else. Although it would be amazing if we could, (laughs) wouldn't it? Gosh. It would. Sometimes. I don't know if I have all the answers. So, But, you know, other people get to do whatever they want to do. And you just get to choose how you react, respond to whatever it is. This brings up my second point that I want to highlight. Just because we create our own thoughts and feelings does not mean we go around saying to people, well, if you're offended, then it's your fault for having those thoughts. And I know that sometimes that's what happens and that's how it gets interpreted. You know, we are also in charge of our own actions. So we also get to own how we show up. So we can't control what people say or do to us. We can control what we do and say to others. I am a fact. I am the circumstance in someone else's life, just as they are in mine. And that means I also want to show up authentically because I do realize that what I think, feel, and do can impact other people. Just like how they've shown up impacts me, I want to choose to show up in a way that makes it easier for them to think of me, period. So I kind of think of the like, I want to show up in a way that makes it easy for them to love me. So I will be conscious. I will be more aware of 
if I say it like this, how might they interpret it? I'm not going to be like, well, I said it like this. And if they interpret it that way, then that's their problem. No, I am going to have some awareness and say, well, if I say it like this, how might it be received? It's not just like, well, it's all about me and how I feel. You do want to be aware that other people will be receiving things right or wrong. They're going to be receiving things in certain ways. So I want to show up in a way that makes me easy to love. I'm not always successful. <laughs> That. my husband's probably like really that's your goal but but it is it is my goal I'm not out to hurt anybody to say well you know too bad if you get offended by it you know that's your choice no absolutely not I'm not out to do that and I think that authenticity piece is the most important I mean you've got to love yourself first and so when you love yourself you show up in a way that is loving and you make it easy for other people to love you mm-hmm. so the model that we've introduced, the CTFAR, I'm sure that you're super familiar with it now if you've listened to all of our past podcasts. It's a tool to be used for your own self-awareness, but not as a weapon to be used against yourself or anyone else. That is super key. It's not a way to justify your bad behavior. It's not a way to justify someone else's bad behavior. It's a tool to build your awareness so that you can see what result you're creating in your life. And it really does come down to, I can't control you. I can only control my reaction to what you say. I may choose to accept it, as Leah said. I may choose not to accept it. Either way, though, it's my choice. And I can ask you to change it. I can ask you not to change it. But in the end, it is your choice. And what you decide to do or don't do is your choice because that's your model. That's your circumstance. And we'll talk more about this in particular on another podcast because there's so much more to talk about this when we're in relationships and we have expectations of other people. Yeah. Then there are expectations when it's our younger children or our employees. Those are different versus adults because it's different when we deal with younger children or, you know, in a work situation because we do have different roles. So stay tuned. We'll talk more about that. But with adults, I own me and you own you. Now, again, you want to be having consideration of what you're owning And you do want to have in consideration how you want to show up. But what I'm talking about here is really owning your own life and the role you have in creating your own happiness. And it's something that we call emotional adulthood. I love this concept. And Leah, why don't we review emotional childhood and adulthood so that everybody knows what we're talking about? Yeah, exactly. Because it sounds (laughs) a little bit weird. Emotional childhood is actually a term that was coined by one of our mentors, Brooke Castillo at the Life Coach School, where we both trained. And basically it sums it up like as children, we believe that everything going on in our life causes our feelings. And we actually teach our children this. So you'll hear yourself, you know, don't do that. You'll hurt his feelings or say sorry to Sally because you made her mad. Or even as parents, how many times we have said to our kids, you really disappoint me. And for those of you who are thinking, oh, I'd never say that to my kids because it's so damaging to tell them that you really disappoint them. Well, I'll just put this back on you and say, how many times have you said you made me very happy? or very proud when you did that. So we teach our kids that our emotional well-being is actually in the hands of somebody else. 
we're basically teaching our kids and we buy into it as adults that other people are responsible for how we feel. And that is so disempowering. It just means like we're at the mercy of other people's actions, behaviors, and how they feel. So if they treat us a certain way, then we will feel a certain way. And then there's what happens if we never grow out of it. (laughs) So we get older, but still we stay in this place of emotional childhood. And when we're in emotional childhood, we're not taking responsibility for the way we feel. So we're blaming everything and everyone else for how we feel and the results we have in our life. We blame our friends. We blame our partners. We blame our exes. We blame our kids. We blame work. We blame the school. We blame the teachers and the leaders and the store owner. You get the point. Then we blame the weather and the economy, the church, (laughs) the institution, the post office, the government, the media. We blame everything and everyone for forcing us to feel how we feel. Exactly. And occasionally we may take responsibility. So if we can clearly see it's our responsibility, but generally we think it's out of our control, whether we know it or not, we become victims. We are the victims to whoever we hand over our emotional power to. And I don't know about you, but there are very few people, if any, that I want to be in control of my emotional well-being. But we actually hand people over a ton of power. We say, like, they made me feel this way. Wow, they have that much control over your emotions? It's kind of like saying you're a puppet to them. Now, Mm -hmm. of course, we are influenced by many things. But in the end, we are in charge of what we think, what we feel, what we do. Ultimately, we are responsible for the results in our own life. That's so true. And, you know, emotional childhood is in contrast to where we want to be, emotional adulthood. This is when we are in emotional adulthood, we take full responsibility for how we're feeling no matter what someone else is doing and saying. So we take responsibility. We take full control over our thinking and we don't blame other people or the things. We are 100% responsible for ourselves and that is a beautiful empowering thing that we can do for ourselves. Let's go over a few details of what emotional adulthood actually means. And the first thing that it means is I take responsibility for my pain and also for my joy. I own my own choices to feel negative and positive emotions. So note here that I can choose to feel all these emotions. So we're not saying that you only will own the pleasant ones. No, you get to own them all. I can choose to be mad, upset, hurt, just like I can choose to be happy, joyful, and at peace. It's all my choice. I own it all. An emotional adulthood can also mean... I don't expect other people to make me happy. No one is responsible to make me feel anyway. Taking care of my happiness is my job. Taking care of your happiness is your job. Then we get to just enjoy each other. Two happy people side by side. And it's such a relief to not have to figure out how to make them happy. We can have enough on our plate dealing with our own happiness. You know, I think back to that movie. Do you remember Jerry Maguire? Back oh, yeah. You complete me. You complete me. Yeah. And I think that Hollywood did us such a big disservice because we go around looking for people to complete us. Yeah. And I think you especially see this in young relationships. Like, oh, I just felt so complete. 
And actually, ooh, that's not a great thing. We need to be completely whole on our own. And then we have two completely whole people beside each other sharing a life together. So they're not fitting each other so that they compensate and complement each other to fulfill each other. They're completely whole. Now they interact and they have all those things, but they're not responsible for each other. So sorry, Jerry McGuire, you did us a big disservice. I also don't think when you're an emotional adulthood, it means you don't expect others to make me feel secure. Now I need to find that security for myself. I may like you beside me, but it's not your job to fix me or to give me security. I seek that out for myself. And again, you can see how this is different when we have children, because sometimes in relationships, there is this parent-child dynamic that happens. And that is not emotional adulthood because then the person who is acting like the child is much more dependent on the person acting like the parent. So we see there is difference. And that's why we said earlier, it's different when you're dealing with children. But when there are two adults, it is not one person's responsibility to make the other person feel secure and taken care of. That is not the role that we have as adults. We take care of our own security. Doesn't mean we can't be side by side, but we're not depending on the other person for it. And when you're in emotional adulthood, you can appreciate that you are the only one who can hurt your feelings. And we do that with our own thoughts. So it really is not about anybody else anyway. This kind of sounds easy. <laughs> not really. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds easy when we say, I'm in control of me, I take care of me. And it can also sound a little bit selfish, but that's not what the intent is. It's really about taking full responsibility for ourselves. Now, we are human and we will make mistakes, guaranteed, 100% of the time. But we also want to ask, who are we giving control or power to if we do not claim it for ourselves? We are on much more grounded territory when we get to be the ones to decide how we're going to act or show up. And if we are the ones who are in control of the results in our life. Now, again, it doesn't mean we have to act a certain acceptable way, a positive way. We can choose to act however we want. We can choose to be offended. We can choose to be upset. We can choose to do all those things. It just means that we're owning those results. Yes. And of course, when you're in emotional adulthood, you may take actions that you regret because you're human. We are all human. As Leah said, we will make mistakes. That is 100% accurate. It's going to happen. Lots of mistakes. And although we know that other people are responsible for their own feelings, we can also acknowledge that we are responsible for the ways that we behave. So you need to decide who you want to be and how you want to act, regardless of how other people show up. So when we are trying to act from a place of emotional adulthood, we aim to come from a good place. So as much as we take responsibility for our thoughts, we also take responsibility for our behavior. And as I said, we'll make mistakes, of course, along the way. And part of emotional adulthood is owning those mistakes apologizing for those mistakes and apologies don't come usually from a place of I'm sorry but you and finish that <laughs> sentence oh my gosh that drives me crazy I'm like don't bother apologizing if it's gonna have a butt in it 
There's that sneaky word, but again, eh? It just negates everything that came before it. When you're in emotional adulthood, you really own it. It's not a tit for tat thing either. I did it because you did this, or I had no choice but to hide or to lie or to say this or that because you made me feel X, Y, Z. In emotional adulthood, you own what you do, what you say, and what you don't do and what you don't say. That's right. All the commissions and all the omissions in your life. That's something that sometimes we easily see the things that we do, and then we don't notice the things that we sort of avoid or leave out. No, we get to own that all. And to be honest, I know for myself and for many of my clients, this is kind of scary. There's some comfort and security to be able to sit back and say, well, it's not me, it's you. Or, you know, it's the person over there that's responsible. It's not me. Because when we blame, it allows us to not take responsibility, to be like that little child that can't take responsibility. And I think we see that as we get older, you know, we've all had childhoods that aren't perfect. And I I think of my own kids, I think of the childhoods that they have. And and we've often joked over the years saying, well, they'll need therapy for that. And you know what? They will need therapy for that. Just like I needed therapy for things that happened in my life. That, though, does not excuse you later on in life to be like, oh, this happened to me. I had this experience, and so I don't need to take responsibility for that. We always need to be taking responsibility. Also, we don't turn against ourselves. We don't turn it around to say, oh, it's all my fault. Sometimes we may think, well, now I know that I'm responsible for everything, then if I just change my thoughts, it would be better. Or I feel this way because my thoughts, and so it's all my fault because we can turn it around and use it as a weapon against us as well. I'm so glad that you brought that up. These tools are not designed to be used against you. They're here for you to build awareness and to get really curious about what you do or why you do what you do and to feel empowered that you can deal with these things that you are in charge of your life, that you can sit in sadness and can also have compassion for yourself. And quite frankly, compassion for yourself can sound like a yes or no to staying or leaving or to someone's request. Compassion is is creating a boundary. Mm -hmm. And compassion is about acknowledging that we're all human. We're all doing our best, but also knowing that we have the power to change and don't have to rely on anyone else to change for us to feel a certain way. And that is very, very powerful. It's a powerful place to get to. I know I'm certainly working on it, but it's a space that requires a lot more effort, a lot of maturity, a lot of humility, but it really frees us from being dependent on others for our emotion and allows us to fully own our life. So that is just a little bit about emotional adulthood. I know that when I am sharing this concept with people, it's actually a tough concept. What do you think, Heather? Is that something that you find it's hard for people to understand? I think so. I think it's one of those those classic things that we get it intellectually. And then in practice, we'll still catch ourselves saying, you know, when you said that, it really hurt my feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, it's because it's so ingrained and we've been socialized to to just use that language. You know, without realizing actually what you said, it was your own model, not my model. 
Yeah, exactly. And again, I think it's okay that, you know, the person says something, I have a thought that that was really rude or inappropriate. And that's what caused me to feel offended. It's just inserting that thought there. You know, we may still get to, you know, somebody said that and the feeling was disrespected, but it's just acknowledging that it's because I also had a thought in there of that was really rude. They should never have said that. That is really causing my feeling. And it's important that we acknowledge that thought because at any time I can swap that thought out. So for example, somebody says something, I feel disrespected. My thought could be that was really rude. They shouldn't have done it. But my thought could also be they're super immature. They don't understand the difference. My thought could also be, wow, they must be going through a real rough time for them to say that. My thought could be, they're totally wrong about that. My thought could be, well, that's not something that I want to entertain. There's just so many different thoughts that can change our feeling from being disrespected to feeling compassion. So we need to make sure that we own that thought because that is what is going to make all the difference. And that is what we have for you today. Emotional childhood, emotional adulthood, how you made me feel. Right, I don't make you feel anything. (laughs) That's the takeaway. (laughs) But I am going to try to show up as my best self so that it is easier for you to have thoughts about me. That are loving, that are easy, that are, yeah. That's right, that's right. So come on over. We'd love to have a review. Just leave us a review on whatever podcast form you listen to us on. We would love to hear from you and make sure that we're connected on Instagram and Facebook. We have lots of fun things. We also have a YouTube channel. If you want to see us in person and see some of our videos, H&L Life Coaching, that is where you can find us on YouTube. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Yeah, until next time. Bye-bye.